Well, today's a special weekend. We have someone special with us sharing the word of God. He's somebody that we all know and love. He's been around the world. He's been around the world. He's preached, he's preached dozens of times in dozens of churches. He's encouraged hundreds of pastors, and he's back today. Would you help me welcome back to Westover our global pastor, Pastor Jim Ryan. you to know God has something bigger for you. Go big with God. Thank you. I love you. Thank you very much. Denise, they like me better than you. That's what I got out of that. Well, what has changed since I was here some six months ago? Uh, I'm 65 now. I, as of yesterday, I, I went from Denisacare to Medicare this month. It is a delight to be back with you. <coughs> I traveled uh, as global pastor when we segued out. I've been in eight countries, 14 countries this year, eight countries since uh, we uh, departed and went overseas, and I'd like to take a moment and give you a report on what I was able to do as your hand, your heart extended around the world. Then I'm going to segue, and I'm going to uh, take a moment and, and uh, share some thoughts from Scripture to us and leave a message in our heart. I had the privilege of teaching in five Bible schools around the world over the last uh, several months, uh, and I'm going to invite them to bring some screens up. And if you don't mind, I'm going to prompt them by screen one, screen two. There's no easy way to do that. Go ahead and bring up screen one. We had a team, and we went to Tanzania, Africa. We landed, and we were at a, at a Bible school there in Mbeya. This is our team. If you'll go to screen number two, uh, Westover, we raised the money and sponsored for a pastor's conference there. 650 African pastors came together. We fed them. We took care of them. We blessed them. We poured into their lives. Uh, screen number three, if you would. This is one of the altar services we had. Uh, uh, we just had a wonderful time ministering to some of God's wonderful servants. Moreover, I'll share with you that through our kingdom builders, this year we sent an additional $40,000. We're building a training center there right now. It's in construction. That is to say, these pastors, they, they don't have automobiles. They don't have motorcycles. They don't have bicycles. If it's not within walking distance, it's not accessible to them. So the assemblies of God are going throughout the country of Tanzania and building 75 training centers to bring training to these pastors. And we're building one of those training centers right now through our kingdom builders. Let's go to uh, screen number four, if you would. Uh, when I left, I went across the ocean to a different hemisphere. It was it was 100 degrees here when I landed in New Zealand. We had to have sweatshirts and coats on because it's winter there. And I was in Auckland, New Zealand, teaching at an Asian theological center at one of their schools. And this was the school that I was teaching at there in Auckland. 
The picture you see there, there are students from America, Samoa, Australia, Tonga, the Fiji Islands. They flew in. They came together. In fact, this was their first gathering after COVID. And they were so delighted, some of these pastors, that they know each other, hadn't seen each other for two or three years. And I discovered a great delight for them that they don't have in their respective islands. Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. When there was, a, there was an announcement that lunch was going to be KFCs, I heard amens in the room. Wow. They were, they were thrilled. It was a wonderful time of impartation. I taught uh, there for two weeks. I taught a class Bible study method, methodology and hermeneutics to these uh, students, to these pastors. Uh, screen number five, I went from... Uh, New Zealand to Singapore. I would spend a month in Singapore. And the picture you see here, I'm at Hiding Place Chapel. It's a rehab center for drug and alcohol abuse. In fact, I spoke at three different uh, rehab centers there. These are gospel Christian-based rehab centers. The persons here, most of these individuals are coming right out of prison. In fact, that was the agreement for their release. Some of them are not believers. And I, I had the privilege to speak to them and tell them about the Lord and what God had done in my life and share with them. And this is a ministry based to rescue those who are in addiction and bondage there. Uh, screen number uh, let me see, make sure I have that right. Yes, I'm making sure I have my screens right. S uh, screen number six, if you would. I'm still in Singapore. This is Tongling Bible School. They invited me to come and teach, and I discovered that there were missionaries from Pakistan and other pastors from the, some of the other stands. I forget which stand it was from. But they, they, would, they would tell me where they're from. And I had a privilege of, of teaching a module in their leadership class. When I got done, I received an email. And the Tung Ling School has said, would you just come back next year and just teach the whole class? Our students want you back again. So they booked me to teach the entire class uh, next year. Uh, if you go to screen number seven now, we go from uh, uh, Singapore. I flew to Malaysia. I'm at, uh, in this screen, uh, Sarabon at Agape Assembly of God. If you'll go down to screen number eight, this is Karis Christian Center Assembly of God. I was speaking to pastors and leaders. This particular photograph, I'm, I'm doing training with the staff. A pastor said, would you just... Would you help our staff? We're, we're still trying to rebuild after COVID. I found out that in Asia, most of their churches are about 60% recovered from COVID. They were in lockdown a lot longer than we were. Uh, they were in lockdown for two solid years. And Malaysia, being a Muslim country, they closed all gospel churches for two years. So they're, having to, they're just having to rebuild again. Screen number nine, I'm at a, a northern part of Malaysia in a place called Penang uh, at, uh, at First Assembly of God there. And I'm, doing a, I'm speaking in a conference, spoke at several conferences, several ministers' retreats. Uh, screen number 10, 
I'm in the same church, and we had altar service that night. I taught all day on, uh, on Friday, had altar service that night. I spoke in the service. Uh, people came forward, and they, they would just line up, and I would go down, and I would pray for individuals from one end of the building to the other end. Then they would they'd line up people again. The whole room came forward, everybody that came came forward for prayer that night and I prayed individually. Service started at seven, we left at 11 o'clock. We spent an hour and a half just in the altars praying with people there, just speaking into their hearts. Screen number 11, I'm, I'm in Malaysia. This is Bible College of Malaysia. The students here uh, our master's level, and they asked me to teach a master's level course there. These are seasoned leaders, pastors, uh, and they're going for their master's degree. And I had a chance to speak at this, this particular college, and they've invited me to come back and teach again. And I discovered the person that founded this school, an Assemblies of God missionary, Delmore and Eleanor Gwines. There's a plaque there on the wall that has their names. He was the president of Southwestern Assemblies of God University, SAGU, that's here in, South, uh, in Texas near, near Dallas, and I serve on that board. And I posted a picture, and his daughter saw it on Facebook and said, that's the school that my mother and dad founded. In fact, I discovered they established the Assemblies of God in Malaysia. They built a Bible college, pastored and built several churches. God called them back in their latter years to the United States, but they left a thriving work. Just one couple that responded to God, and it, it, it influenced a nation. The next picture, picture number 12, I was invited to do an all-day Saturday training for business people and entrepreneurs in the community, Christian leaders. So I, they came together, and on a Saturday, I spent all day with business persons and, and just talked about principles of leadership and principles of, of, of organization as it reflects to us being believers. Uh, picture number 13, I flew from Malaysia to the Philippines. This is my first trip to the Philippines right here. And I discovered some of the most wonderful people in the Philippines. And, and, and the Philippines was, at one time, I discovered when I was there, was a Spanish colony. And I kept hearing in the Philippine language words in Spanish. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they, they said, it means this. Well, it's, that's, that's the Spanish word. Their coinage is peso. And over and over again, I found, and, and out of that, I said, well, tell me a little bit about the Philippines and discovered it at one time was a Spanish colony. And uh, many of you would feel very comfortable right there, can I tell you? But don't do this. They say, Pastor Jim, I'm in the Philippines. We heard you love Mexican food. I love Mexican food. We have a place here. They took me to Taco Bell. Oh, 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 that, 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 that hurts. You know what I'm talking about? That, that hurts. That hurts. 
So they all sat down and they ordered burritos and they didn't know. They're asking me, what does this sauce do? And what does this sauce do? So I helped them order and I helped them get their food. And they say, Pastor Jim, you're not eating. I said, no, I'm going next door for Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's exactly what I did. Picture number 14. We had an altar service after teaching all day long. They asked me to preach in an evening service to preach. And in order to have an altar service, the, we would uh, ask everybody to stand and ushers would come and pick up the chairs and stack them so we could have altar space, so we could have ministry in the altar. The next photograph, photograph number 15, is of Metro Tabernacle Assembly of God in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is the last church I spoke with. It's one of the great churches there in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, one of their uh, just their flagship churches. But interesting about this church, they built this church, and as soon as the church was built, it was burned. The building was burned because it is built in a predominantly Muslim area. Malaysia is an Islamic country, and when you see a church, you'll see no crosses. In fact, you may not even see the name church. In Malaysia, they have church's chicken, but they call it Texas chicken. Yes, it's called Texas. They say, when I was telling them I'm from Texas, oh, we have Texas chicken. Are there Texas chicken places? All of us said, no, we don't have Texas chicken. It is church's chicken. But in Malaysia, being an Islamic country, the word church cannot be on any building. So the, the company had to change the name in order to bring the franchise to that country. The building was burnt down, and a government official came, walked among the ashes with the pastor, and this was really a miracle. He said the government is going to pay to rebuild your church. And the government rebuilt this church. Uh, so that's just a miracle for an Islamic country to do that. You just don't understand what that had. That was just a God thing. The next photograph is I'm at the same church and I'm, I'm uh, doing teaching for their cell group leaders. Uh, pictures I don't have, I, I'll not give you more, but let me highlight. I had the privilege of teaching a 31 uh, Myanmar students from the country of Myanmar. They spoke Myanmar. They asked me to come, and I taught for an entire week. I uh, sent my notes ahead of time. They translated it. I had to teach by translation into the Myanmar language. They've invited me to go to Myanmar next year, and I told the missionary that's helping me coordinate some of my travel that if it's possible, I'll go to Myanmar. I made a connection there. And the pastor of the Myanmar congregation said, I have a friend that's moved to the United States planning a Burmese church in, uh, in, uh, in Kansas. Would you go there? I said, I, by the way, I'm going to be in the area in February, so I'm going to go a couple days early. I'm going to go speak at the church and train them, encourage them, and a Burmese congregation of new church plant in the, in the uh, state of Kansas did pastors' conferences. I met with pastors. When I, when I didn't have a meeting going on, I scheduled coffee times and meeting times with pastors that are trying to revitalize their church. Three times while I was over there, I spoke by uh, Zoom back in the United States. I taught 
all day, then taught half the night to a Zoom for 100 pastors back here in the United States, got up the next morning, taught class, just when I believe in the time I was there, I spoke between 150 and 175 times. By the end, my voice was hoarse. It seemed like I spent the last month hoarse, but I had a great time in extending God's heart, encouraging pastors and the work of God there. And here's what I bring back. These people are serving God in the face of opposition. They're passionate about Jesus. They have less, but they do more. They have less, but they do more. The sweet people of the Philippines have so little but give so much. There were pastors that drove 18 hours to the conference I spoke at. One pastor drove 12 hours. Some drove six hours. So eager, hungry to grow, to see God work in their life and work in their church. And I was your heart and your hand extended to them. And I want to thank you for giving to the kingdom builders and what you're doing. The time I was there, I covered my travel. I covered my expenses. Some of the larger churches I would at, they would give me offerings, and I would take the offerings, and I would give it to the smaller churches when I there. I came back with nothing. Went with nothing, came back with no. I went with something, came back with nothing. I gave it all away to encourage and bless these pastors and these churches. And just tell you, God's doing a great work, and I'm just thrilled to be able to serve these wonderful people. Right before I segue into, a, uh, into preaching, I, I'm going to just for a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer moment. I don't lean into political issues, and if you think this is a political issue, you're misreading my heart. It's a spiritual issue. I want us to pray for the nation of Israel today, the country of Israel. And I, I'm just going to make some, some comments, and I'm going to push back against the news media there is, an, there is an entourage of news media coverage over what's going on in the Gaza Strip right now. And it is slanted against the nation of Israel. Granted, there have been some casualties, collateral damage of citizens in Gaza, and we're not in favor of just wholesale destruction or genocide. However... Putin has multiplied that many times in the country of Ukraine, and it gets excused by the news media. What Putin has done in Ukraine has ravished, raped, and destroyed that land, and it gets a mild commentary by CNN. But if there is one innocent person in the Gaza Strip that is wounded or hurt, CNN wrote plays that over hour after hour. I'm telling you, Israel never gets fair press. And here's what God said in Zechariah chapter 2, verse number 8. If you ever put your hand on Israel, God says, I'll raise my hand against you. And those who stand against Israel are, sta are making themselves an enemy of God. I've heard hear all of the news of a... Of a of a pause of a, of, of a peace treaty. There was a peace treaty October the 6th because Gaza and Hamas 
whose main purpose is the destruction, the annihilation of the nation of Israel. And Israel just defends themselves and they're villainized in, in worldwide press. Think it not strange. Think it not strange when they stand against the people of God. We need to pray for Israel right now. Would you join me? Father, I just pray that nation has been on my heart, your people, Israel. You have declared in your word that Jerusalem belongs to your people. And I pray, God, the onslaught of the news media trying to turn world opinion against Israel will not change your opinion. God, you've established it, and we should not think it strange that the things of God and the people of God become the target of, of criticism and demagoguery among the news media. And I just pray, God, for that nation. I pray protect Israel, protect the, the nation, protect the Jewish people, both there and here in our own nation. We pray against the hatred of Jews that is making themselves the enemy of God. And you said in your word, we should pray for the peace of Israel. And we do in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. For just a few moments before I close, I just want to bring a few reflections from one verse of Scripture to us this morning. And then we'll go into an altar's response. Have you ever felt like that you were dealt a bad hand in life? Misfortune slapped you down? Do you ever feel like that you're missing the best? That there is something that is greater, but it seems like it never comes to you? Is there a dream or a yearning inside of you for something bigger and better, yet it seems to always be out of your reach? Someone said there's within every one of us an eagle that wants to soar. It would be uh, Kierkegaard. And he would say that the inclination of better is the hint of God in our life. That every time we yearn and say, God, it could be better. That God is awakening the spirit part of us. As Richard Dobbins would write in his book on every one of us, there's invisible fingerprints. God has placed his hand and God has put his touch upon your life. There's something that God has for you. And sometimes we feel like it's, it's not there, it eludes us, it's not, it's not coming about, it's, we're not realizing it. And God, where, where, where can we find it? And some of us just adjust and live a life that God never intended. We adjust to a normal that God never purposed. We're kind of like Goldilocks. We're finding, we're looking for that perfect chair that's just right, but too many of us have, have acquiesced to the chair that's too hard or the chair that's too soft. The life that's hard or the life that's too easy. But from time to time, we feel the nudge, we feel the stir, we feel the quickening, the awakening. Perhaps it's in a moment of worship, in a moment when a message comes, in a moment of inspiration in your prayer time. 
perhaps a moment of reflection and all of a sudden something flashes on the inside and there is a dream that says it could be better and life could be better. There's, there's something that seems to yearn on the inside to break loose and we seek to find it. While I was in Malaysia, I was teaching at one time at two different Bible schools I would teach in the morning at one Bible school and I would finish at 1 o'clock and at 2.30 I would teach in another Bible school across town from 2.30 sometimes to 5.30 and sometimes to 9.30 at night. So I would have to catch and over there they don't have Uber, they call it Grab. We call it Uber but in, in Malaysia and Singapore it's called Grab. So I would, I would get a Grab and the driver would take me across town one particular day. I was going across town and my grab driver was Chinese and he spoke very broken English. I'm not really sure he spoke any English, but he had the address that I gave him. And we're going across town. Right as we got close to the location, there is a big roundabout and as you come out of the roundabout, you need to turn left right away to get to the location. We're coming out of the roundabout, and he asked me, and I'm in the back seat. He asked, I turn left? I said, that's right. <laughs> Guess what direction we went? We went right. And then I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong when I said right and you're right when you said left. I said, just get me there. <laughs> Many of us have taken a wrong turn. We've missed our moment. We missed that, that knock on the door. Why? Because it was subtle. It came in the inconsequential. Sometimes we're looking for God to do the earth shaking and God often shows up in the inconsequential. With that in mind, I want to take you to one passage of scripture in the Old Testament. And here's what God said to his people. Verse five of Ezekiel chapter 18. Suppose there is a righteous man who does what is right and just. There's not time for me to unpack this entire train of thought in this chapter or even this verse, but there's one word I'll bring to your attention. Suppose. Just suppose. The word suppose has the idea that of possibility. It's the, carries the idea of to accept in theory. Suppose, accept in theory. Just, just suppose. I dare say that many of us in this room, that's how God spoke to us. Probably was not a handwriting on the wall, but a gentle tap on the shoulder of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. An idea, a dream, a thought. Just suppose, just suppose God could do. Just suppose it could be this way. Just suppose 
it could be different. What is the dream? What is the prayer? What is the high ideal? What is the great dream, the ambition that God put in your heart and routine and schedule and setback and maybe mistake has buried that in 45 years of pastoring, I've, of ministry, excuse me, ministry, 37 years of pastoring, so many times I've heard this, I should be in full-time ministry. I should have started that business. I should have, I should have never got that divorce. I, I should have never got into this relationship I knew then, but I, I just didn't see it and I didn't listen to that inner voice. Every one of us, God taps us on the shoulder. The Holy Spirit comes and he says, just suppose, just suppose. I think many of the spiritual misfires in life happen not because of rebellion, and I know that happens. Not because of grave sin and our, our, we turned our back on God. I think more times than not, spiritual misfires occur because of ambivalence. We're so-so. We don't believe that God will do it for us. God speaks to us, something awakens, something says, just, just suppose. I remember telling Denise years ago, just suppose if we would leave New Mexico and go to Bible college. Then at another time, we had a conversation, and I said, just, just suppose we planted a church I remember standing on this property, looking at the property adjacent to us down towards Calabria and say, just suppose we could buy that and build a sports complex. Then in more recent years, after pastoring for 37 years here, and everyone else thought, and my friends thought I would just, I'd spend my last season putting my feet on the desk and enjoying what We'd worked 37 years to build, but something inside of me said, just suppose you went to the nations and you began to serve the underserved. Things that God speaks, things that God puts in your heart. And sometimes in our ambivalence, we say we can't. And there's a strange place you don't want to visit. There's a place you don't want to go to I'll call it the land of less. The land of less. And in the land of less, they speak a language called unless. Unless I pay this off. Unless I get a new job. Unless it works out unless everything changes, unless I have more time, unless I get this promotion, unless we live in the land of less and we speak unless. 
But if you speak unless, eventually you're going to speak the language of useless. And I've heard that so many times. Pastor, it's useless for me. But I believe the Holy Spirit today would lean in and he would whisper to your heart, just suppose. Just suppose. Why do we live in ambivalence? Because I don't believe many of us can personalize the abundance and the blessing of God in our life. I don't think many of us really believe God. We see the reward of God that would come to our life, our business, our home, our, our family. You believe God can, but you haven't appropriated the confidence that God will do it for you. Yes. You believe in giving, but you don't believe God would provide for you if you tithed. You don't believe God would guide you. You don't believe God could do something in your life. It, it can't be personal to you because of the ambivalence. Oh, God, I don't know. It, I feel this tug. I feel this inclination. I feel this awakening. But you take your name off the list every time. I was leaving the Philippines. I did ministry there. I went to the airport in Manila, went through the line to get my boarding pass, went through immigration. Then I came to the line for security to get on the plane to fly back to Malaysia. And when I came to the security line, the line was so long, so long. In fact, it was almost from here to the end of the building. And I thought, oh my goodness, will I ever make through the security line in time to get to my flight? The line was so long. I got in line and I just began to move like everyone else did, took a few steps. And then all of a sudden in this, this sea of people, this lady, she waved at me and she said, come here. So I excused myself down the line. I said, yes, ma'am. She took the strap off. She said, step out. So I stepped out and she put it back and she began to usher me down. And I saw there was a line with just three people in it. And I thought to myself, she thinks I'm a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. There's all of these dark-haired Asian people, and I, I'm different from, she thinks I'm Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, she, can you see the resemblance? Can you? I, I, she thinks I'm a celebrity. So she ushers me all the way down. Three people in line. She's, and as she leaves me, here's what she said. We have a shorter line for old people. Oh. 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 Have you ever gone from here with your ego to here with your ego in one moment? Yeah. That's what she We have a shorter line for old people. Some of, <laughs> some of you don't believe God would put you to the front of the line. And I'm here to tell you he would. Just suppose, just suppose God, God answers that prayer. Just, just suppose you weren't, your family was not a believer. You never heard your dad pray in your home. But just suppose you begin to pray in the home and you begin to lead your family in devotion. 
Just suppose you dedicated your business to the Lord. Just suppose you went all in. Just suppose, young adult, you didn't choose your career. You put everything before God and you gave the Holy Spirit veto power and say, God, I want a career and I want a life that pleases you. Just suppose. Just suppose. And I believe there are many of us that God is prompting. He's awakening. He's renewing his purpose in your life. And I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. And as I close this service, I'm going to invite you If this seems right to you, in your experience, in your life, what God's saying to you now and perhaps has been saying to you for weeks or months, something has been awakening. And in your prayer and in your devotion, it's almost like you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, just suppose that you I'm going to invite you to come forward and stand here and we're going to pray together if that's you you come yes something just God I put it on the back burner I've even put myself on the back burner but God I believe you're awakening something in my heart you come yes you come You come. Yes, God. I'm going to wait. When I was in Bible school, for those who are in the altar, can I, can I just have your attention for one minute? When I was in Bible school, I took in Bible school the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters. We had to memorize the chapter title and a key verse for every chapter in the book of Acts, along with the, all of Paul's missionary journeys. That was back in 1980. And I came to chapter 20. I had to memorize the verse. It's interesting. It's verse 24. It's the key verse of that chapter. 20, 24. Could this be a word for us for the new year? For 2024. Acts 20, 24. And here's what Paul said. I don't count anything important. Everything else is indispensable. But I am going to fulfill what God has called me to do. Could that be, could that be our keynote for our life for the new year? Men, in 2024, get ready, January, we're going to relaunch our men's ministry. Pastor Jonathan and I have been having conversation. He's been unburdening his heart to me what he sees for our men's ministry. Get ready, men. We're going to go on a journey. Just suppose. 
I want to pray with you. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And we're going to just say, God, today, I'm going to take you. God, I'm not going to be ambivalent anymore. I'm making that decision today. Worship team, would you come?